0: From a variety of places, and we are thankful that you have taken time to uh, come here and to worship with us this morning. If you have any Bible questions or if you're interested in a Bible study, please let us know. Uh, spend a few minutes staying here after services so we can get to know you and, and talk to you a little bit more. We strive to teach and preach from the Word of God here, and so we are really thankful that you are here with us today. Well, this morning we're going to be looking at a man that we read about in Matthew chapter 27. A few moments ago during the Lord's Supper, we were introduced to a man by the name of Barabbas. And we're going to talk about a man that we read about here in Matthew 27 in just a moment. We don't know this man's name, but we do have some details about his life. The man that we're going to talk about this morning, he was a bad person. And yet I think you could say at the same time he was a good person. Little is known about his life. And yet much can be learned from a few hours of his life that's been recorded for us by the Holy Spirit. I'm referring to the man that we often refer to as the thief on the cross. Are you familiar with this man? There are actually two men who died uh, on either side of Jesus while Jesus was on the cross. As our Savior died, we're introduced to these two men, and and while they were uh, described as being thieves, we can actually learn some valuable lessons from them. Like Jesus, these two men would die an excruciating death. Unlike Jesus, they died because of their sins. Jesus died, but it was not because of his sins. He was sinless, but these two men, they would die because of their sins. And we read about these two unnamed sinners in the four Gospels. Have you heard sermons before talking about the thief on the cross? I have heard sermons in times past talking about the thief on the cross, and that's great. We need to talk about this man and the things that we can learn about this man. Yet oftentimes, when it comes to sermons pertaining to the thief on the cross, one of the bigger themes of that is really talking about, can we be saved like this thief? And what I mean by that, a lot of people will turn to this story And say, well, wait a second, the thief on the cross, he was not baptized in water. And therefore, we do not need to be baptized today in water for the forgiveness of sins. We certainly need to talk about that, and we will address that here in a few minutes. Because we've got to make sure that we have a good understanding particularly when it comes to salvation. But I wonder at times if we have maybe overlooked some valuable lessons that we can learn just by appreciating the story. While we're going to talk about salvation and what we need to do to be saved, when you really take the time to consider the thief on the cross, it is an amazing story. It's, a, it's an interesting story as Jesus or right before Jesus would die. And so we're going to look at the thief on the cross, and as odd as it might sound, we can actually learn a lot from this man. And so what I want to do, I want to begin reading in Matthew chapter 27, and if you have your Bible, please read along with me. We're going to begin reading in verse number 27. Let's pick up the context here, and as we're reading, I'm going to invite you to see what you pick up regarding the thief on the cross, what we can learn from this man. In Matthew chapter 27, beginning in verse 27, The Bible says, Then the soldiers of the governor took Jesus into the praetorium and gathered the whole Roman cohort around him. They stripped him and put a scarlet robe on him. And after twisting together a crown of thorns, they put it on his head and a reed in his right hand. And they knelt down before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews! They spat on him and took the reed and began to beat him on the head. After they had mocked him, they took the scarlet robe off him and put his own garments back on him and led him away to crucify him. Verse 32, as they were coming out, they found a man of serene named Simon, whom they pressed into service to bear his cross. And when they came to a place called Golgotha, which means place of a skull, they gave him wine to drink mixed with gall. And after tasting it, he was unwilling to drink. And when they had crucified him, they divided up his garments among themselves by casting lots and sitting down, they began to keep watch over him there and above his head, they put up the charge against him, which read, this is Jesus, the King of the Jews. At that time, two robbers were crucified with him, one on the right and one on the left. And those passing by were hurling abuse at him, wagging their heads, and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and rebuild it in three days, save yourself. If you are the Son of God, come down from the cross. And the same way the chief priests also, along with the scribes and elders, were mocking him and saying, he saved others, he cannot save himself. He is the King of Israel, let him now come down from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he delights in him. For he said, I am the son of God. The robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. It's interesting what we can learn from this thief on the cross. As we think about the thief on the cross, I think we need to begin with the obvious, that he was a sinner. And this is important for us to know, even though he, uh, even though this is obvious, when I read this story, I always have lots of questions. I want to know what did this man steal and how many times had he gone about committing this sin? And what about the other man, the other thief on the cross? Had they worked together? Did they know each other? They're both being crucified at the same time for the same crime. We don't have all the details, but we know that these men did some wicked things, And what's interesting about the thief on the cross is that in his final moments of life, what is he doing? He's attacking Jesus. Did you pick up on that? He's hurling abuse at Jesus. You are dying, or he's dying on a cross. And in the last moments of his life, he's attacking the man in the middle. He's attacking Jesus, hurling abuse at him. You go back and look at verse number 44. The robbers who had been crucified with him were also insulting him with the same words. He's angry. He's upset with Jesus. And I want to know why. What did Jesus do to him? And what maybe expectations did this man have with respect to Jesus? Why is he hurling abuse at Jesus? I recognize in verse 41 the chief priests, the scribes, and the elders. And we understand that background, but why is this man hurling abuse at Jesus? Maybe he just joined in with the crowd and what he had heard others saying about Jesus. But both of these thieves joined in this sinful behavior. It's very clear that this was a wicked man, that he was a sinner. And while this is obvious, it's important for us to understand this, because as we continue on looking at the story, what we're going to find out is that this man eventually had a repentant heart. Now, there's a parallel text that we need to look at in Luke chapter 23. And so I want you to turn over to Luke chapter 23, and we're going to read verses 39 through 41. In Luke chapter 23, what Luke, the physician, is going to do, he's going to give us some additional details. He's going to give us some supplementation to the story. And so when you read Matthew's account, And then when you read Luke's account, there are no contradictions. What Luke is doing, he's giving us some additional details to the story. In Luke chapter 23, verse number 39, the Bible says, One of the criminals who were hanged there was hurling abuse at him, saying, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other answered and rebuking him said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Isn't that interesting when you look at that aspect of the story? That at some point in time, while this man was on the cross, this man had a change of heart. And as I said earlier, there's no contradiction between Matthew's account and Luke's account. What we have here is supplementation or additional information. And so at some point in time, this thief, he stopped his wicked behavior. He stopped hurling abuse toward Jesus. And now what we find him doing, he's, he's asking this, or he's telling the man, uh, the other thief in verse number 40, stop what you're doing. He's rebuking him and saying, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? So what was it that caused this man to have a change of heart? Have you thought about that? In his last moments of life, attacking Jesus while he's on the cross, right next to him. But at some point in time, his behavior changed. He decided to go in a different direction. I think there are a couple of possibilities that could be given here. He may have repented because he was so convicted by the love of Christ. We just sang a song, and it made me think about Luke chapter 23. What would it be that this man would hear Jesus say while he was on the cross? Did you pick it up in the song? Look at verse number 34. As the people are attacking Jesus, listen to what Jesus said in verse 34 of Luke 23. But Jesus was saying, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. That's a powerful statement. That even though people were hurling abuse at Jesus, attacking Jesus, insulting Jesus, Jesus is praying for them, and he's asking the Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Maybe it was that statement that caused this man to have a change of heart, to see just how righteous and holy Jesus really is. But I also began to think about the things that he would not hear from Jesus while he was on the cross. He didn't hear Jesus retaliate, did he? He didn't hear Jesus hurl abuse at those who were walking by or even at him or the other thief on the cross. There was no retaliation from our Savior while he was on the cross. He only saw holiness, purity, and righteousness. And what we find is that at some point in time in the story, this man would have a repentant heart. Then he would say something else, which is fascinating when you look at this individual and all the circumstances He asked to be with Jesus. And this is interesting, too. In Luke chapter 23, and we can just read this text here. In verse 40, again, he said, Do you not even fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we, indeed, are suffering justly, for we are receiving what we deserve for our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. And he was saying, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. That causes me or forces me to pause and to really think about a couple of things that are really kind of impressive when you think about this man for a second. He's asking Jesus, please, can I be with you when you come into your kingdom? I want to know this idea of or I want to know how this man knew about the kingdom and Jesus being a king. Did he pick up on this because of the sign that was above the head of Jesus that said this is the king of the Jews? Was that what convinced him maybe that Jesus was a king and would establish his kingdom? I don't know. But what I do know, he's begging Jesus, I want to be with you in your kingdom. And his request to Jesus is powerful. Think about all the things that we know that this man knew. Look back in Luke chapter 23. In verse number 40, again, he said, do you not even fear God since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? Number one, this man believed in God because he's saying, you don't even fear God. So he believed in the true and living God. Secondly, he believed in right and wrong. He's saying, look, you don't fear God since you're under the same sentence of condemnation and we indeed are suffering justly. He's making it very clear. We deserve to be on this cross. I deserve to be on this cross, and you deserve to be on this cross. And so he knows about God. He recognized his his sinful behavior. At the same time, he's recognizing that Jesus is innocent. This man does not deserve to be on the cross. And the fact that he's asking Jesus that he desires to be with him one day in his kingdom, I think helps us to see that he had some belief that Jesus was going to rise from the dead. How can you have a kingdom? How can a king be, have a kingdom if he's dead? And so this man had some type of understanding. Now, where did he get all of this? Well, there are a couple of thoughts. One, go back to Matthew chapter 3. When you look at Matthew chapter 3, it may have been the case that this man heard the teaching of John the Baptist and obeyed the teaching of John the Baptist, being baptized the baptism that John the Baptist was proclaiming. In Matthew chapter three, in verse number four, we find John the Baptist going out into the land and the Bible says, now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and, the, and all the district around the Jordan and they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. So maybe it was the words of John the Baptist. Maybe that is where he got all this information about the kingdom and now asking Jesus to be with him in his kingdom. What we know when we go back to Luke's account in Luke chapter 23 is that this man is begging. He is begging to be with Jesus. Please remember me when you come into your kingdom. And whether or not he had a good understanding about the kingdom, he was aware that as a king, Jesus would have a kingdom and he wanted to be a part of it. But maybe the most amazing thing about the story is what we read in the very next verse where Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. You look back in Luke chapter 23 and verse number 43, Jesus is listening to this man. He's acknowledging this man. And he said, truly, I say to you today, you shall be with me in paradise. How amazing is that? Uh, This thief who was on a cross, who had this change of heart, who's now begging Jesus to be with him, despite his past, despite his behavior earlier on, Jesus still loved this man, and Jesus would be gracious toward this man, and he would be with Jesus in paradise. Paradise is a place where the departed souls of the saved go in the Hadean world, And I think that's why it's safe for us to say that this man was saved. This unnamed man would have his name in the book of life. Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. The thief on the cross is an interesting story because it can teach us some valuable lessons. And when you think about this man, we see that this man indeed was bad. And yet there are some practical lessons, I think, that we can learn from the thief on the cross. I want to share a couple of thoughts with you here as we talk about ourselves and as we consider the thief on the cross. Think about the thief for a second and then think about, our, think about us for a second. Just like the thief, we have been sinners in need of God's saving grace. This man was lost. This man needed God's grace. He needed the grace of Jesus Christ. And in many respects, we're just like the thief in the fact that all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. That's what Paul said in Romans chapter 3 and verse number 23. And the reality is we deserve death. We deserve to be eternally separated from God because of our wickedness. And yet because of the amazing grace of Jesus Christ, we can be with Jesus one day in eternity. Not only that, but the thief, he believed in Jesus. He's begging Jesus, please, I want to be with you today. And just like the thief, we must believe that Jesus has the power to save us. If we're going to be saved from our sins, if we're going to be with Jesus one day, we've got to recognize that we have a sin problem, that sin is what's going to separate us from God, that sin is really a big deal in the eyes of God, and that only Jesus Christ can deliver us from our sins. Jesus was very clear in John chapter 8 that if we do not believe in him, that we, will be, that we will perish in our sins. And so just like this thief, we must believe that Jesus can save us. Not only that, but when you think about the thief on the cross, just like the thief, we've got to have a change of heart. We've got to have a repentant heart. This man changed direction, and he recognized some things before he died. Brothers and sisters, friends, visitors, guests, we need to make sure that we have a repentant heart. You see, that's what Jesus taught in Luke chapter 13. In Luke chapter 13, verses 3, 4, and 5, Jesus, as he was talking to an audience, he said, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Or do you suppose that those 18 on whom the tower in Salaam fell and killed them were worse culprits than all the men who lived in Jerusalem? I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. What Jesus is teaching us is that if we're going to be with him one day in eternity, if we're going to spend eternity in heaven with the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, then we're going to have to change how we live our lives. And this man recognized some things about himself before, before he died. And just like the thief, there's something else that we need to do. This man who was on the cross, he acted quickly. He didn't have that much time left. He knew that he was going to die and that he was going to die that day. Maybe it was in a matter of hours. I don't know exactly. But he knew, I don't have any more time. And he recognized at some point in time, and I don't know exactly when that moment was, there's something unique about this man, Jesus. I need to be with Jesus. He is the one that is just. He's the one that's pure. He's the one that doesn't even deserve to be on this cross. And he acted quickly. And brothers and sisters, friends, if you are not in the saved condition, if you are outside of Jesus Christ, salvation is found in Jesus Christ. If you're outside of Jesus Christ, you're not saved from your sins. And you need to act quickly. This isn't to intimidate anyone or to pressure anyone, but you do need to realize that death is real. You do need to realize that sin has serious consequences, that sin will have eternal consequences, And just like this thief, he acted quickly. He acted before it was too late. And we need to do the same. So let me ask you a question. When will you die? I have no idea, and you don't either, which is why we need to act quickly. From the thief, we can learn a lot. We can learn that sin is a big deal and that we need God's saving grace if we're ever going to make it to heaven, that Jesus is the way to salvation. He is the way, the truth, and the light. That we need to have a repentant heart. That we cannot continue to do the things that we have always done. And that now is the time for action. But let me just conclude by saying this. Unlike the thief, we must be baptized if we're going to be saved. Now, some people may have just hung up on me right then. Somebody may be thinking, man, that was actually a pretty interesting sermon. That was actually a good sermon. But now, what do you mean talking about baptism? What do you mean we have to be baptized if we're going to be saved? The thief on the cross is a powerful story. And many people have turned to the thief on the cross. Have you talked to someone who has said, well, wait a second, the thief on the cross, he wasn't baptized. And if he wasn't baptized to be saved, then I don't have to be baptized to be saved. Many people have that view. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Number one, do you want to be saved? And I think this is a question that we can ask people, too, when we bring up the thief on the cross. Hopefully, everybody will say yes. If you want to be saved, you can if you listen to the words of Jesus. Look over in Mark chapter 16. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, after the resurrection of Jesus, after his death, after his resurrection, as he spoke to his disciples, he said he... or." Number 15, he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. He who has believed and has been baptized shall be saved, but he who has disbelieved shall be condemned. What does Jesus teach when it comes to being saved today, right here, right now? Jesus taught that you must believe in him, and Jesus taught that you must be baptized in order to be saved. Now, somebody will say, well, wait a second. The thief wasn't baptized. We're not talking about the thief. We're talking about what Jesus says right now. We're not going back to the the law of Moses. We're not going back to that old covenant, but rather looking at what Jesus has established and what he desires all men to do. Now, we recognize, according to Mark 2 and verse number 10, that Jesus had power on earth to forgive sins. Jesus continues to have the power to forgive sins while he is in heaven, and yet he's also showing us exactly how he will go about forgiving sins when we decide to follow and submit to his will and to his authority. And while the thief can teach us a lot of things, we need to make sure that we listen to Jesus. We just saw what Jesus said in Mark 16, 15 and 16, that he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. I want you to notice something else that Jesus said. Look over in Matthew chapter 28. This was part of the conversation before he ascended into heaven as well. And I wanted to share with you a couple of passages to help you to see that Jesus is very clear. And that the apostles are very clear that when it comes to salvation, my friends, if you want to receive the saving grace of God, belief certainly is necessary. Repentance is necessary. Jesus is necessary. And being baptized in water. For the forgiveness of sins is necessary. In Matthew chapter 28, as Jesus was talking to his disciples, he said, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Isn't it interesting that Jesus didn't say anything about the thief on the cross? He said, rather, I want you to go and make disciples. I want you to baptize them. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. That was the message of Jesus, that baptism in water for the forgiveness of sins is necessary. Do you see that? When you go seven, about 50 days after all of this in Acts chapter 2, on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38, Acts chapter 2 and verse number 38, when Peter had a huge crowd, thousands of Jews, before him, the Peter and the rest of the apostles, they're proclaiming Jesus Christ crucified. They're talking about some of the events that we just got done talking about. When Jesus was on the cross, and I'm pretty sure that many of those individuals on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem, they knew about these events that took place when Jesus was on the cross with those two thieves. And yet, what do we find here when they ask, men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter didn't say anything about the thief on the cross. He didn't say, well, the thief wasn't baptized. And so you guys don't have to worry about that either. Rather, watch what Peter said in verse 38. Peter said to them, repent, and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What do we know? We know that the apostles were proclaiming that salvation in Jesus Christ, to receive his grace, to be covered by his blood, one must believe and be baptized in water. They're teaching the very same thing that, that Jesus taught before he ascended back into heaven. The thief on the cross is a powerful story. And that's why I began by just talking about the story, to truly appreciate what we can learn from the thief. And yet at the same time, we gotta, have a make, we gotta make sure that we have a proper understanding that unlike the thief, we must be baptized if we're gonna be saved from our sins. Now, there's many things that we could say, and there's some things that we don't know. Do we know whether or not the thief was baptized with the baptism of John? I can't say for sure, and you can't say for sure that he wasn't. But here's one thing that we can say for sure. Jesus said, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. There's many other things that we could talk about. The fact that he was still under that old law and that a new covenant has been established. We could talk about that as well. But I just want you to see, what does Jesus say for you and for me, right here, right now, what we need to do? Jesus is clear that when it comes to salvation, indeed, my friends, we can be saved. But we must submit to his terms. And maybe a bigger question for all of us is this. Why would we ever want to argue with Jesus? Jesus is very clear with what he taught. The thief followed Jesus in the last moments in his life. My question for all of us is, what are we going to do with this moment? I know I'm talking to a crowd where many of you have already put on Christ in baptism and have been forgiven of your sins by his blood or through his blood. And if you have already done that, then rejoice. Appreciate the salvation that you have and share the good news of Jesus Christ. But if there's someone here this morning who is outside of Jesus Christ, you've committed sin, my friend, you need to know that you're separated from God, and that salvation is found only in Jesus Christ. And if you want to be delivered from your sin, you need to submit to the will of God. Jesus could save a thief, and certainly he can save us. The question is, are we willing to trust in his words? Jesus died. Are you willing to die to sin? Jesus was buried. Will you be buried with him in water? And Jesus was raised from the grave. Will you be raised to walk in newness of life? That's what Jesus desires from all of us. If you're subject to the invitation, come now as we stand and as we sing. With sorrow and care.